0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Through Jesus with Courtney Gilmore. On this episode, Jacob prepares to meet his brother Esau and wrestles with God. God gives him a new name, and Esau calls him brother. Genesis 32 and 33. Now, just as a quick side note, I'll be reading all the scripture references for you, so you're free to just sit back, listen, and absorb or you can grab your Bible and read along. Most of the time, I'll be reading from the New King James Version, but if I switch, I'll let you know. At the beginning of each episode, I'll introduce the title, so if you want the entire study and writing, you can go to livethroughjesus.com and buy it for under $5. Each one will cover two to three months' worth of episodes, and once you buy, then it'll be immediately available for download. In addition to a little extra studying, it also allows you the benefit of some charts and keyword definitions, but it isn't necessary. Okay, so let's get started. On the last episode, Jacob worked for Laban in exchange for his own flock, but Laban kept changing his wages, and so God told Jacob to go back home. Now, if you missed that episode, you might want to go back and listen to it, because we also talked about trusting God with our livelihood and His blessings for us, and also how important it is not to make assumptions. Now, today we're going to pick up in Genesis 32, after Jacob has left Laban and he's preparing to meet his brother Esau. Beginning in Genesis 32, 1, it says, So Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp. And he called the name of that place Mahananeh, which means two camps. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau his brother in the land of Sair, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now i have oxen donkeys flocks and male and female servants and i have sent to tell my lord that i may find favor in your sight then the messengers returned to jacob saying we came to your brother esau and he also is coming to meet you and four hundred men are with him So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two companies. And he said, If Esau comes to one company and attacks it, then the other company, which is left, will escape. Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mothers with their children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which can't be numbered for multitude. So he lodged there that same night and took what came to his hand as a present for Esau his brother, 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 bulls. Then he delivered them to the hand of his servants, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, Pass over before me, and put some distance between successive droves. And he commanded the first one, saying, When Esau my brother meets you and asks, saying, To whom do you belong, and where are you going? Whose are these in front of you? Then you shall say, They are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my lord Esau, and behold, he also is coming behind us. So he commanded the second and third and all that followed the drove, saying, In this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him, and also say, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the presents that go before me, and afterward I will see his face, and perhaps he will accept me. So the present went on over before him, but he himself lodged the night in the camp. Okay, so at this time, Jacob is about 97 years old, and he's going to meet his brother in the Land of Sair. Now, notice that in verse three it says, which is in the country of Edom. Now, Edom is the other name that was given to Esau, and it means red. And so Esau is his name. It means hairy. And then they also call him Edom because when he was born, he was hairy and red. And so Esau went to live in the land of Seir. And as time went on and his family grew, he predominantly lived in that country. And so its name became Edom. Now, something else that I want you to notice is do you see how he's always calling him my Lord and he calls himself his servant? This shows how much Jacob's changed, and he's trying to let Esau see that. Because Jacob had taken everything from Esau, right? He'd taken his place of honor in the family, his firstborn status. And so Jacob's trying now to show him, hey, I'm not taking that from you anymore. You are in charge. The one that is called Lord, that's the one that's in charge. And so he's trying to say, I am under you, and you are the one that has the place of honor. He's hoping that by this, Esau will see that he regrets what he's done and he wants to put everything behind him. But after the initial messengers went to Esau, they come back and they tell him, hey, he's coming, but he has 400 men with him. And so obviously, Jacob is very afraid. And first, what he does is split his family and his animals into two separate parts, because he's trying to at least be smart in case his brother is coming to attack him. But the very next thing that he does is go to God. And so I just wonder if that is our first reaction. Whenever something happens, is God the first one we go to? You know, yeah, if we think we're going to die, God's probably the first one we go to right but um what about just when something happens whenever you are scared or you're confused or frustrated or whatever is god the first person that we go to And I have to say that I am learning how to make God be the first person that I go to, but it has not always been that way. Initially, my first person would have been a friend. And as time has gone on, I've been able to realize that really people just can't help me all that much. And God can So it seems a little pointless to go to them. And there's no reason to try to solve it for myself because God can always do more to help me than I can do for myself. And so I'm learning to go to God as my first person, but it is something that we do have to practice. And so I just want to read you a verse. It's found in Psalm 56, 3. And it basically just confirms this, that that's what we're supposed to do. It says, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust you. And so whenever we're afraid, we're supposed to immediately go to God and let him know that we trust him. That's pretty much what Jacob's doing. He's going to God and he's telling him, hey, I'm afraid, but I trust you. You're the one that told me to go back here. And so I have to trust that everything's going to be okay. I think This is a really authentic prayer because When he goes to God, he says, hey, you are the God of my father Abraham and my father Isaac, and you're the one that told me to go back to my family and that you would deal well with me. And so, you know, in a way, we could think that he's reminding God himself. He's like going to God and saying, hey, you're the one that told me to go back. You better be taking care of me. You know, he could be doing that. But I don't think that's what he's doing. I think he's just acknowledging that he is the Lord, and I think he's reminding himself and letting God know that he remembers that he told him to go back. And so if he told him to go back, then everything's going to be okay. You just got to keep going and trust him. And then notice how humble his prayer is also, because he says, I'm not even worthy of the least of the mercies and the truth that you've shown to me. And then he reminds himself again of another time that God came to him. He says, you know, when I crossed over the Jordan, all I had was my staff in my hand. And now I have two companies worth of people and animals. And remembering that also reminds him of what he says in verse 12 when he says, you know, that's when you came to me. Whenever all I had was a staff in my hand and I was having to leave my family, you came to me and you said you would surely treat me well and you would make my descendants as the sand of the sea that can't even be numbered. And so I'm reminding myself, that when I had to leave my family because of what I did to Esau the first time, you came to me and I had nothing. And you said, hey, I'm gonna make you prosperous and your children are gonna be as many as the sand in the sea and I'm gonna treat you well. And then he reminds himself also, you did that. Look at what you did and I didn't deserve any of this and you did all of this for me. And whenever I had become very prosperous and did have a lot of children, now you told me to go back. And so I'm reminding myself of where I came from and where I am now and how much I don't deserve and how much you've taken care of me. And so then he says, just deliver me, please, because I'm afraid. And I think that that is just such a genuine prayer because he's only human, right? And so he is afraid and he's not telling God that he's not. He's not sitting there saying, well, I trust you. I know you're going to take care of me. Everything's going to be fine. No worries, you know. He's like, man, I'm scared, but I remember what it was like when I left Esau, and I remember what you told me then, and I see all that you've done for me in the meantime, and I know that you're the one that told me to come back, and so I trust you. I trust that you're going to continue to do the things that you told me you were going to do because I've already seen all of what you've done for me so far. And I think that God is happy with a prayer like that. I think He is happy for us to just tell Him our feelings. Just say, man, I'm scared, but I'm going to trust you. Just please take care of me. You know, He kind of keeps going back and forth. He's like, I'm afraid, but I trust you. I'm scared, but I know all the things you told me, so I'm going to keep going forward, you know. And that really is what we're like a lot of times, too. I think that's at least what we feel like. And we may as well just tell God that because he knows it anyway. Just talk to him like he's a father that cares because that's what he is. And he knows how we feel anyway. I'm going to read you another verse. It's in Proverbs 4, 5. And it says, Get wisdom and get understanding. Do not forget or turn from the words of my mouth. So this authentic prayer is good, but it's also good for us to remind ourselves of the things that God has told us and the things that we know of Him. Whenever we are afraid or whenever we're confused or whenever our feelings may be contrary to what they should be, we have to remind ourselves of what God's truths are. And that will help us get wisdom and understanding. And it doesn't hurt at all for us to pray those things back to Him. Hey, your word says this, and so even though I feel afraid, i I'm going to trust that what your word tells me is true or even though I feel angry or even though I feel sad or even though I don't understand or whatever the case may be. I remember what your word says. And I remember all of the things that you've done for me so far. And so I'm not going to lose hope. I'm going to trust you. And that just shows him that we believe and we trust him. And it also reminds us of all the reasons that we can trust him with our lives and the things that are going on in them. And then notice when he finishes praying, he proceeds ahead, right? He doesn't just sit there and pray and say, oh, God, deliver me. Help everything be okay. He's like, you told me to go back. So even though I'm afraid, I'm going to go go back. I trust you. Just please take care of me. And then he goes ahead and does what the Lord told him to do. And he sends presents in these segments to his brother. And every time that one of the servants approaches his brother with their set of animals, they're supposed to tell Esau, these are Jacob's and he's given them to you as a present. And he's behind us, And he's hoping that this will help Esau not be angry with him. He really wants Esau to see that he feels bad about the things that he's done and that he's trying to make things right. Okay, so let's go ahead and continue reading the rest of this chapter beginning in verse 22. And he arose that night and took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of the Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over that brook. The Jabbok is the name of the brook. And he sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And so he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel and said, For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. Now before we talk about this passage, I want to read another scripture that refers to this passage. It's found in Hosea twelve three through 5, and it says, He, which is talking about Jacob, took his brother by the heel in the womb, and in his strength he struggled with God. Yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought favor from him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spoke to us. That is, the Lord God of hosts, the Lord is his memorable name. And so I say this to you because the Bible says that a man came and wrestled with him. But in the New King James Version of the Bible, which is what I've been reading from, man is capitalized and that's because every time that it talks about God or Jesus, it's capitalized and so it's referring to the fact that this was not just a man. It was God or an angel or the angel which is referred to as Jesus and so here in Hosea it gives a little more clarity to that and it says that in his strength he struggled with God. Yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed and then he says God Is his memorable name. So, you know, even Jacob, whenever this was happening to him, he asked him, What's your name? And the man wouldn't tell him his name. But we can see that Jacob concluded that it was God, or at least an angel representing God, that he was fighting with because he names this place Penuel, which means the face of God. And he says, I name it that because I've seen God face to face. So he believes that this was the pre-incarnate Jesus, that God himself came and made himself flesh and fought with him, which we know later, whenever God becomes flesh, he becomes Jesus. Now, this passage in Hosea refers to him as an angel, but it also says God. God is his name. And so generally when it says the angel instead of an angel, it's also referring to God in the flesh. Regardless if it was Jesus or an angel representing God, either way, God is who he was struggling with, and God is the one either physically or as God's representative. Now, let's talk a little bit about how in verse 25 it says that he saw that he didn't prevail against him, and so he touched the socket of his hip, and it made Jacob's hip go out of joint. And so obviously God can prevail against man all the time, but he sees that Jacob isn't quickly giving up. And so he uses his power as God to touch the socket of his hip and make it go out of joint. And he tells him, you know, quit struggling with me. It's almost daytime. And notice how Jacob said, I will not until you bless me. He was so anguished about this meeting with Esau that he just needed confirmation that he was going to be blessed. He couldn't stop the struggle until he knew that everything was going to be okay. He was so worried about the next day when he was going to see his brother. And so I just want us to stop right there and think about that, about struggling with God. What is it like to struggle with God? Have you ever done that before? Have you ever just needed an answer and said, I'm not stopping until I get this answer? You know, I'm not going to get off of my knees. I'm not going to stop reading your word. I'm not going to stop searching for your answer. I I just refuse to move until I find some sort of encouragement or understanding, something that I know is a word from you that will give me some peace. You know, sometimes we just have to struggle in order to reach that place of peace, And that's okay. It really is okay for us to struggle with the things that are in his word, to struggle with the things that are going on in our lives and understand them in a spiritual way. If we're going to struggle with God in some way, we have to be like Jacob and we have to refuse to stop the struggle until we get God's word for us, until we get his answer. If we struggle with God just to be obstinate, then that's a whole different thing. But if we're struggling, truly struggling with something and we need His confirmation or we need His answer or understanding or whatever the case may be, then it's okay to stay on our knees to refuse to move until we get that from the Lord. We just have to keep at the struggle. Don't give up. Don't be like, I don't understand. This doesn't make sense. I give up or I don't want to serve this God or whatever. Struggle until you get the answer from God that you need. Refuse to give up. Refuse to move. Sometimes we just have to work our way through it. You know, sometimes we just have to face the struggle and continue in that until we reach the end of it. And so don't be afraid to do that. Don't be afraid to just go to God and talk to Him honestly and read His Word and search for the answer or the confirmation or the peace or whatever it is that you need. And then also pay attention to the fact that now God comes to him and changes his name. He says, your name is no longer going to be Jacob. Now you're going to be called Israel. And do you remember what that name meant? That name means deceiver, supplanter. And so God said, you're no longer going to be called the deceiver. You are now going to be called Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and you have prevailed. Israel means prince with God or prevailer. And so Jacob was not just a person that had lied. Jacob was known as a liar. He was just known as that. That was his name. He was so much identified by that characteristic that he was called that. And God said, no more. No more. You are now going to be called my child, basically. Yes, you struggled with your brother and you struggled with me, but you've come out on the other side of those struggles and you're no longer a deceiver. And so I just want to say that God can do the same thing for us. If there's something that you are known as, something that is so much a part of our character that we are just called that, then God can change our name. Once we accept Him as our Savior and make Him our Lord, then He can give us a new name, whatever it is that we used to be identified as. We can now be identified in God as who He wants us to be. What might be some things that we may be called by this world that we really may be? Things that are not good. We could be called gossip we could be called addict. We could be called weak, victim, angry, hateful, unfaithful, contentious. I mean, all of these different things that we could be called that people could know us as because it is so embedded in our character. Jacob had been called deceiver for almost a hundred years. Okay. But in God, he's called something new. Now he's making his life through the Lord. And so now in God, he can be called something new. And it's the same thing with us. God can call us by a new name. We can now be called strong. We can now be called wise. We can now be called faithful, true, loving, kind, caring, understanding. Listen to this verse in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So when we become His, then we become a new creation. All the old things that we used to be known as can pass away, and we can become a completely new person in Him. When people look at us, instead of seeing the sinful person that we used to be, they can see Jesus. If we follow Him, make Him Lord of our lives, allow His Spirit to live in us and produce His fruit, then we can be known as a completely new person with a completely new name. We'll be called something completely different than we used to be. If only we will allow God to be Lord of our lives and work through us, making us new, giving us a new name, letting us be called something totally different. Okay, so let's go ahead and read chapter 33 and see what happens whenever he actually does meet Esau. So it says, Now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and there Esau was coming, and with him were 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants, and he put the maidservants and their children in front, Leah and her children behind, and Rachel and Joseph last. And he crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him, and embraced him, and fell on his neck, and kissed him, and they wept. And he lifted his eyes, and saw the women and children, and said, Who are these with you? And Jacob said, The children whom God has graciously given to your servant. Then the maid servants came near, they and their children, and bowed down. And then Leah also came near with her children, and they bowed down. And afterward Joseph and Rachel came near, and they bowed down. And Esau said, What do you mean by all this company which I met? And Jacob said, These are to find favor in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. And Jacob said, No, please. If I have now found favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand inasmuch as I have seen your face as though I have seen the face of God and you were pleased with me. Please take my blessings that I brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with me, and because I have enough. And so he urged him, and he took it. And then Esau said, Let us go, and I will go before you. But Jacob said to him, My Lord knows that the children are weak, and the flock and herd which are nursing are with me. And if the men should drive them hard one day, all the flock should die. Please let my lord go on ahead before his servant. I will lead on slowly at a pace which the livestock that go before me and the children are able to endure until I come to my lord in Sire. And Esau said, Now let me leave with you some of my people who are with me. But Jacob said, What need is there? Let me find favor in the sight of my lord. So Esau returned that day on his way to Sire. And Jacob journeyed to Succoth and built himself a house and made booths for his livestock. Therefore, the name of the place was called Second, which means shelters, booths. Okay, so notice how whenever he saw Esau coming, he put all of the children with their mothers, and then he put them in order of the most importance to him, right? He put himself in front, thankfully, but then the next ones he put were his maidservants, and then Leah, and then Rachel and Jacob, because Rachel and Joseph were the most precious to him, and so he put them in the very end to be the most protected. But whenever he met Esau, Esau hugged him and was just so happy. To see him, and it must have been such a relief to Jacob to know that he was not angry with him. And then notice whenever Esau asks about his family, Jacob immediately gives all the credit to God. He said, these are the women and children and animals that God's given to me. Not that I have acquired of myself and all of that, but that God gave to me. And then whenever Esau asks him what all of these animals were that came ahead of him, he said, hey, I was trying to gain your favor. And notice that still Jacob is calling him his Lord. And he's saying that he is Esau's servant. But look at verse 8. He says, These are to find favor in the sight of my Lord. But then Esau says to him, I have enough, my brother. Esau's letting him know, I'm not in charge of you. You are not my servant. You are my brother. We are okay. Yes, you tried to take my place of honor, but I have enough. God's blessed me too. And we're okay. I forgive you. But Jacob couldn't let it go with that. And the reason is just because he felt so guilty for what he had done. And he just needed to make it right. Right. He needed that confirmation that Esau really did forgive him. He was going to allow him to pay a little bit back of what he had taken from his brother. And on top of that, he acknowledged that God is the one that gave it all to him anyway. And so he didn't mind giving away what the Lord had given to him. And we should be like that too. When we wrong someone, we should do everything we can to make it right again. And if we have been wronged as Esau had been wronged, then we should be gracious and forgiving whenever someone comes to us humbly and apologizes. This is a great picture of what we're supposed to look like when we're in each of their situations. And so after the brothers made up and they caught up on the last 20 years, Esau tried to get him to come back with him, but Jacob explained to him, no, we can't go that fast. We have little ones and the animals have little ones and there's just no way for us to go that quickly. And so he said, you go ahead and go back and I'll meet you at some point. And Esau tried to leave behind some people to help him along his journey. And he said, no, I've got it. Really just take the gifts that I gave you so that I know that you're okay with me. And then we'll come along as we can and I'll meet you soon. And so we're going to stop right there. We'll begin in verse 18 next week because it goes along with chapter 34. But what we just need to take away from this lesson today is that the first person that we go to whenever things are hard or confusing or whatever should be the Lord. And we just need to go to Him and genuinely just express our feelings to Him. But remind ourselves of all of the things that His Word has said to us and all the things that He's done for us so far. And just repeat those things back to Him. Tell Him how we feel, but Tell Him what we know about Him to be true. Remind ourselves and let Him know that we trust Him. And then just move forward, do what it is that we believe that He wants us to do. It's important that we make it all the way through the struggle, that we don't quit in the middle of it that we stay with God until we find His answer to us, His comfort, His understanding, whatever it is that we're seeking, that it would be from Him. And whenever we get that, then we can stop the struggle. Then we can stop and move on and go forward and do what it is that He tells us to do. And then remember, if we are His followers, then we are a new creation in Him. And so allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life to make you new so that you can be called by a new name, a name that glorifies your father in heaven, a name that points to him. That's his desire for us. Okay, so that's all we're going to do today. Next week, we're going to move on to what happens to Jacob after he settles in this land. Let me know how you relate to this lesson. If you've been in a situation where you've struggled with God and come out on the other side prevailing, if God's given you a new name, things like that, I'd love to hear from you. Leave comments wherever you're listening or email me. My email address is Courtney at LiveThroughJesus.com. Also, make sure that you leave a five-star review. That always helps me out. And then just make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss the next episode. Thanks and have a good day.